We are live. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Educator Innovator Hangout on Air. I'm your host, David Cole. I work with nextmap.org in San Francisco, and I'm a resident at manylabs.org, which is an open science project that's supported in part by the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation. And I'm based here in San Francisco, and this Hangout connects to the larger project at Educator Innovator called Letters to the Next President 2.0. L2P is an initiative that empowers young people, 13 to 18 typically, to voice their opinions and ideas on the issues that matter to them in the coming election. Uh, letters to president.org with the number two there, L-E-T-T-E-R-S number two, president.org is the website and it's a co-presentation hosted by the NWP, the National Writing Project, and KQED, the public television station here in San Francisco. Please check it out. That website will mention it several times and also the hashtag. Uh, which is two next prez. So we'll be repeating that to make sure you guys get a chance to check that out. These are very powerful tools and platforms. And here at Educator Innovator, uh, they've been doing a series of webinars related to topics and issues that come up when we think about writing letters to the next president. And today we're building on our past two webinars around paper circuitry and electronics, and we're delving into some more intermediate topics. And specifically, we're gonna be talking with Janine Huffman, who's an expert in this and who I've had the pleasure of working with over a couple of years about how to take our skills to the next level and do integrated circuit work with an AT tiny microcontroller. So this is uh, swimming in the deep end for people who are just beginning with making and for people who are familiar with Arduino and interested in more advanced uh, electronics and integrating that into your builds and into your projects and activities, this is a great extension. So we've had, um, so I want to thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to Jeanine for making your time to join us in the third session. And for people who are watching live, we encourage you to post your thoughts and ideas via the Q&A feature that's embedded in the video player. And you can also tweet questions and follow us at the hashtag, which is hashtag number two, next prez, P-R-E-Z. So it's number two, N-E-X. T P R E Z. So to get started, if you've been watching or checked in on the other ones, you've heard this before, but um, I'll let Janine introduce herself and we'll jump right into where we are and what we're going to do today. Remember, this is the third of um, three, and so we're trying to do a little bit of a recap and frame some advanced projects. So Janine, a little bit about yourself. Okay, hi. Um, I uh, Presently, I am a doctoral student at um, Teachers College at, along with University of the Pacific. I'm an adjunct faculty also for Teachers College, and I like teaching teachers. Uh, that's probably my favorite thing. I've had so many come into my classroom, uh, high school classroom and middle school classroom, to learn how I do engineering and integrate it into other subjects. And so uh, that's kind of what, where I ended up right now. And kind of the biggest thing is, is I've worked with kids, and I, and I know this word might be a touchy word, but at risk of not graduating and for many reasons and in the, the population that I worked with um, come from gang areas and so I had to really appeal to those children directly and um, science seemed to be the method and the more science that we could do with the kids the more engaged they were the happier they were the more th their grades increased and so um, now I've added a lot of technology and engineering and um, uh, I found right away that it became very expensive. And so uh, what, what I started off with was using um, Arduino uh, programming. And this is a wonderful product for high schools. It's pretty much a standard anymore. But for $25 to $30 per unit, it just became too expensive to use. So um, that's where we um, ended up replacing 
using this whole board with is just this little microchip and learning how to program it. So that's what we're going to look at today. Right. Perfect. Thank you, Janine. Mm -hmm. And um, so just to give a reframe, because uh, we want to recap what's gone on so far. We have focused the last two conversations on two really interesting project models, one happening in Texas using some templates that we co-developed with two educators down um, in Texas, uh, Molly Adams and Anne-Marie Warren, and another in Ohio with a wonderful teacher named Kate Hodges who's doing a multimodal project that integrates paper circuitry with Makey Makey, with blogging, and so it's a really wonderful, rich program. And each of these practitioners in their respective states with their classes have done this kind of work, and this represents an extension for them. And the resources that they're using are up on the NextMap website. I think they'll be posted on the uh, Educator Innovator site for the archive as well. So I encourage you to check those out. What we want to do today is just do a little bit of a catch-up. So if there are people who are watching or listening in who've never done paper circuitry or wondering what all that talk was in the first two sessions, we wanted to go over a little bit of a scaffold to get you guys clear on where this is going. Again, the resources will give you a great view of it. The G Plus website, um, the community has all manner of conne uh, connections and, and links and examples. Nextmap.org does, Janine's Weebly site does. Um, but what I want to do right now is share my share my screen and uh, narrate a few short clips of some paper circuitry stuff in action. And that will end with an advanced paper circuitry project we did in a workshop that Janine led with us last fall. And that'll be a segue to get into how we've gotten to this next project. So that's the plan. Janine, does that sound all right? Because I'm about to yeah. share my screen. So um, what I'm going to do now is share my screen, and I'm just going to click through to go out through a few videos. And um, because I'm on an audio, you won't hear any of the audio, which isn't that important. But I'll narrate a little bit, provide context. Um, but not this one, actually. I want to get to, let's see. Yeah, let's, st let's start with this one. Well, actually, now I'm going to go here. Um, this is an interesting activity. This is a teacher from the San Jose area. And I'm just going to play it right now. And um, what you're looking at is a, is a typical composition notebook with a simple parallel circuit. And um, she's beginning to show how she's been using the uh, circuit stickers, the LEDs, to go through multiple subjects. And here she's narrating a simple sketch of Galileo. Uh, she's a middle school teacher. I think she's actually uh, upper elementary. So she's working with kids across the day. So she's showing us how she's moving through her subjects. So at one level here, she's got faces of the moon and sort of a sketch of Galileo. And then she goes down and now she's looking at an English language arts project. She's got the climax and the denouement and the, and the resolution here. And she's showing how these two lights are being able to illuminate different types of illustrations, different types of content themes. And um, this is really the goal of the project at large, really, is to connect um, STEM experiences, science experiences, electronics and circuitry with some of the forms and literacies that we're much more familiar with. And you're looking at a really low cost way to present some of simple illumination and another way to amplify some of the thinking. And so it is both decorative and it's also a very strong representation of a system. So here she's actually going through a, uh, she's, uh, she's mapping out direct objects and indirect objects. And so she's dealing with grammar. And um, you know, there she is, that's her example. Um, 
another one we can look at, let's see if, uh, one thing I want to share now also that's very important for people who are just coming to this is that you saw a lot of copper tape on that page and working with copper tape can present some challenges. Um, but once you get the hang of it, it's really quite easy to do. And so in this little video, um, let's see what happened here. Let's watch it again. Uh, in this video, you're watching some teachers from a Life Learning Academy in uh, San Francisco's Unified, uh, Unified School District, SFUSD. They came to many labs and they did a circuit project. And you watch them, what they're doing. They're doing right angle turns with their tape and they're practicing with blue uh, painter's tape the type of articulation and manipulation that you need to do with your copper tape in order to make sure that your um, your circuitry, uh, circuitry works. Um, this is a really interesting little demonstration of a workshop with Bay Area Writing Project group of last summer. Um, and here you see a really good example of a group of uh, kids. They were sort of upper elementary, middle through uh, juniors in high school, working with their notebooks. And so you're seeing obviously some artistic work. You're seeing notebooks that have themselves been organized with tabs. You're seeing some pretty traditional and um, familiar kinds of literacy action happening here. They're doing some writing. They're also beginning to do some illumination. Here's some fluency prompts, it looks like. Uh, this was led by one of the professors at the UC Berkeley to Graduate School of Ed and her students. And um, this is pretty much what a workshop can look like as kids are building their way into circuitry. Um, so for those of you who've done hands-on work and have done crafted work, this presents a really strong mashup for uh, projects that combine writing and literacy. Um, the last one I want to show, and this is a nice segue to, I think I want to show you this image first. So um, Janine will recognize this. This is mm -hmm. a really complex circuit. Uh, there are, I think, upwards of 11 uh, LEDs here. Uh, they are all being programmed to run off that microcontroller at the top of the screen in the notebook. And it's been programmed to uh, illuminate those lights in sequence. This is something that we're going to talk about. Janine's going to guide us with this in a, um, in a little while. But I want you to see this first so you can get a handle on the type of complex circuit that you can put into a notebook. This one is called um, Robot Heart. And you'll get the idea here. It's a story of a blinking robot and how, it's a, how it, it, find, it falls in love with another robot. So take a look. I'll give you a narration. So there's a sense of attraction. The robot is expanding out. It's sending some of that vibes over to the other robot. And uh, it goes back again. And so it's a cycle that loops back and forth. Um, and we'll watch it one more time and just see how that goes. Here, it, here you see how they're drawing the image of the robot onto their notebook. And they're doing it on top of the illumination. So if you think of the numbers, the layers of information, the layers of story, the layers of thinking, the layers of system that are built into this experience, it's really pretty profound. And this was a teaching team from the East Bay Innovation Academy in Oakland. It's a new STEAM-based charter school um, that works with, uh, it started in grade seven, it's opening up to grades nine, grades 10 this year. And these are several lead teachers who went through this experience as a PD and then took it back to their classes. And I wanted to end with this one because I felt that this would be a really good way to introduce the idea of the, um, of the I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Janine, am I back? Yes, you are. All right, I'm back. Great. So for those of you who are watching at home, either live or if it'll be recorded and you check it out, you've just given a little bit of a walkthrough, some introductory circuitry work. Um, and just to give you a sense for how Janine and I have met, it was two going on three years ago, we met at the Tech Museum of San Jose. 
We did some introductory circuit work like what you're seeing there. Janine's background led her to understand that this was a really robust platform. You'll hear more about that mm -hmm. from her shortly. And uh, she and I have been working together with NextMap at many labs. We had the chance of traveling together to Alaska and did a three-day PD on advanced paper circuitry, which Janine led. So we, she's only about an hour or what, 15 minutes away from me, so we're in the same time zone, which helps. But it's been a huge treat to work with her. All right, so now I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, I'm going to give you, I'm going to hold up very gingerly. Um, you might recall that we've talked about our, let's see here, our Letters to the President website on NextMap. This is our resource site if you've seen some of the links. So I need to share my screen again. Bear with me. Um, Janine, hold on. You're going to have this microphone in just a moment. Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to walk us through a set of uh, the letters to the president and how we're working with this template. Because Janine and I have been working with this template, and you're going to have a chance to listen to it. This is the resource site that's on the NextMap webpage. Um, a lot of good stuff is here. We've got some of the live webinars that you're watching now have been, are getting archived here. The collaborators, uh, Anna Marie and, um, and uh, Molly, are here. There's Janine, and there's also a conversation with Kate and a, a whole bunch of resources. Um, what I want to look at today, just right now, is one of the resources on our NextMap page are these Letters to the President Creative Process Worksheets. Now, uh, you can download them as a zip, or you can download them one at a time. Uh, I'm just going to go through this exercise here, and I should be able to see. There's a downloaded PDF of a worksheet, a two-sided worksheet, um, that works like a foldable uh, six-panel uh, project. It's an 11 by 17, and with that in mind, I think what I can do now is I can come back to my live view, and you'll be able to see me, and I'm going to do what I need to do is just hold this up very gingerly. So Janine, tell me if you can see that home. I sure can. All right, so we're looking at a simple, um, a simple sticky note exercise, and then I'm going to zoom in and see if you can read that. Let's see. So this is a how might we exercise. And the question I asked myself was, how might we, meaning Janine and I, share an advanced paper circuitry activity for L2P? That's kind of my question. And um, so the stickies I had read, make it repeatable and extendable. It needs to have variables of some kind. So some kind of on off, something that creates a state and demonstrates another state. We want to look for layers in the information. We want some kind of data that's visual. Uh, before and after, and then we want to think visually. And you can see that I've kind of mocked that up a little bit there, so you can see an example of the sticky notes, right? And so what we're doing here from our literacy and writing perspective, we're kind of thinking visually. We're doing draft work visually. The next step of the activity is an abstraction laddering activity, which I've written up. Um, and if you download these workshops, you can see the way this works. And it really works like a way to do kind of rough sketching draft work. Very, it's a really interesting way to develop a how and a why type of thinking about your, uh, about your thesis statement. The next section that we use is something that's called a complexity importance matrix, and it's a chance to work with a variety of different question types. I'll hold it up quite close, and you can take a look at just the way we're reading some of our grid here. So we have four different sections, and I've made four different types of statements. So I'm beginning to populate my template, and you can imagine each of these panels represents a kind of activity. The next section is to make uh, is to work out uh, a circuit. 
And I've kind of improvised a little bit here, and I've made a circuit with my copper tape. And uh, let's see if I can make it go here. I think I had a, a loose connection. Here we are. So you can see that I've illuminated a simple parallel circuit on my page. And what happens, of course, is when I illuminate that circuit and I set it up on the back of my callouts, I'm able to highlight certain things within my callouts. So this is a callout, and I had five of them, and I've decided to illuminate the top three. So they say, for example, tell a story about blue and red counties using a map of California, illuminate the red and blue counties in parallel, present this. So you can see the way this is going. And you know, if I extend it out, you get a feel for what this looks like. It's a really pretty robust worksheet, and that's why we call it a creative process worksheet. Now, that's a little background for you to get a sense for what a final project can begin to look like. You'll see that my batteries, I've actually attached a little uh, three-volt holder with some flat binder clips. That's how I did my connection. But um, with that in mind, I know it's a lot there, but we walked ourselves right up to where we're going to think about how do you then introduce some advanced paper circuitry work. Now, Janine, I'm going to hand you the microphone, and sure. you can begin to walk us through this. For folks who've never done it, who've never tried this at home, um, this does represent the beginning of an intermediate experience, and Janine will walk us through it. Uh, but getting to getting as far as I got here is really pretty simple, and it's an awful lot of fun. And you can do it in a variety of ways. And I encourage you, if you're appearing for the first time, to check out the resources. You'll see all manner of support materials. And now we're going to segue to um, the world of Janine, which is a, a very interesting, <laughs> creative, and playful space uh, full of lots of wonderful parameters and lots of great troubleshooting. So, so Janine, why don't you take over, give us some guidelines. If you have any questions, I'll ask you questions, but sure. this is a chance for people who are watching to get a, get a glimpse of how an ATtiny project could work and where advanced paper circuit can go. And then we'll kind of, we'll close by reflecting on the types of learning we think is unfolding here. And again, if anyone's listening and wants to tweet it out, fire away with questions. We're happy to take your feedback. So David and I were um, working on how would we take our paper circuitry and use it uh, to give children a voice in the next election. So he, uh, he and I put together um, a, a circuit that will actually take a look at the counties in the state of California, and I'll explain that in a minute. But before I get going, I, I just wanted to say something um, completely related but at first it might not seem like it. Andrew Zimmer from the Food Channel, um, he says, by letting people taste why it's worth preserving, they'll understand. And I feel the same way about paper circuitry. Oh. If you can see it and try it, you'll find out why it's worth doing. And it's just a fabulous experience. So I really encourage um, all of you teachers, educators, and viewers um, to give it a try. It's not that difficult. We have lots of videos to help you along the way. So we're going to start off. Um, David and I really talked this over. And um, we wanted to look at California's voting um, patterns. And so the question that we asked ourselves was, um, how might we understand the voting nature of California? And I did the same thing. I came up with some questions uh, that uh, David and I discussed, uh, such as, why are the coastal counties blue uh, and the inland areas seem to be red. And so um, we, we took a look at the, the state of California and way up here is Modoc County and they had the most voters. And down here is, um, is Alameda County and they had the most voters. And so I created a circuit to represent that. And, and Janine, I, the first yeah, thing we should... I did was, 
Yeah, we yeah, should mention ahead. one of our research, in terms of our research, right, we, we try, you know, it's very interesting when you get into data, like we thought, what's a simple way to represent kind of a conclusive expression of some a factual situation about data or a layout. And so we went to a variety, a couple websites, but we found yeah. that this graph was a, was a archive on politico.com mm -hmm. that gave us the actual voting numbers that told us where, what the voting patterns were. And as Janine was saying, Modoc County in the far northwest was the highest voter number of turnout for Romney. Uh, in the winning, winning a red election. And in Alameda County, which is East Bay, Bay where Berkeley is located, was the highest turnout for Obama. So um, yeah. you know, what I want to emphasize is that um, there are all manner of places where you gather information. And for Janine and myself, we did it with Politico.com and a couple of local California voting uh, sites. Go ahead, Janine. So there was some uh, good research in here, and it really did make me do a lot of thinking as well. So here I created this is very, um, I'm just going to go show you the circuit real quick. Uh, yeah. So what I had to do is I had to find my county and mark it with where I wanted my little LED, LED to go. And so this one would be up in um, uh, Modoc County, and this again would be um, in Alameda. And then I just created my circuit. I programmed this little guy. I'll show you how I do that um, in a moment. It's not that hard. It's so easy to do with CodeBender. And I just starts off, I have my um, negative, uh, and I have my positive, and it just makes its little circuit um, all the way around, and you know, off it works. So I'm going to go ahead and um, turn mine on right now. And I just um, found a, um, I had several different ways of powering it, and let me just get this, make sure I have my connection. There we go. So it's programmed to fade. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this, and you'll see is I'm going to under, I'm going to fold it back on itself and turn it around. And I think I might have to turn my little light off for a minute, so you can. So now you can see Alameda. I'm see Modoc is hot lighting, and it's then it's fading, and it'll fade over to the. Um, let me just change this over to the blue. There we go. Again, I've got a little bit of a twicker there because I'm holding it in a funny way. So mm. now um, uh, this particular one, I actually wrote a um, a um, little letter to the president myself. I won't read it, uh, but I. I enjoyed writing and I said, I just would like to make my project about the election with you, Mr. President, uh, or Mr. and Mrs. or Mrs. President. Um, it is interactive and you and I would use paper circuits to illustrate our learning. It will be so much fun and you will learn science, engineering, technology, technology, coding, and citizenship along with civic literacy and English. And um, so my call to action is to help our next president experience hands-on learning with me to see for themselves or himself, uh, herself. So then um, what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a more complex circuit for those of you who learn how to do simple paper circuits. And again, I had a lot of questions. Uh, I won't go into all of those, but like, um, uh, does access to waterways and irrigation impact the voting pattern? And I seem to notice that along the rivers there were different voting wow. patterns, um, and I had some other questions, but now I have this more complex circuit that, oh. um, yeah, uh, and, I, and I programmed it, I used the exact same code, and I'll show you the code in a moment, and I just placed my um, LEDs uh, in certain areas along the coast of California that had voted um, uh, in the last election uh, blue and then red in the counties that have voted red. 
Mm. And this one could be used um, to uh, be predictive. After answering some of those questions, you could say, you know, I, actually for me, I found that I really wanted to discuss trade. How does trade nice. maybe impact voting rights? And with my answer, that would help me predict maybe where I thought the next um, election might look like. So now I'm going to light this up. Um, I also wrote out my code. I wanted to oh, make nice. sure. Oh, look yeah. at that. It's beautiful. Yeah, I really wanted to go into that quite a bit. That's I great. the um, outline um, of the, uh, the design process as well, um, starting here with my question on the waterways and, yep. and um looking at coastal areas as trade regions and in interior areas as irrigated for crops. The foothills are separated by geography and land use. And there's a lot of questions that were raised as a result of this. So now let me power my um, little um, circuit. And there is a video um, of it on Twitter. Now I'm going right. to go ahead and oh, I'm gonna turn off this one light real quick. So That's it just great. really shows up. So oh now my, you can see. that really that really works, Janine. Yeah, it really does. Let me get the look at that. I love that. That's really the great. Red illuminates in the blue, mm -hmm. and it's just doing its little. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know. Oh, there it is. Okay, it kind of came undone. Um, and that, so now I can really see, and this little pattern, it's just not that hard to um, to program. Right. Right. Uh, to do so adding more LEDs on it really wasn't any more complicated it was again the same program um, so at That's this good. point uh, David should I start to think about showing them how to do code bending? yeah yeah let's uh, but before you do that let me pause I'll come back and do uh, um, just to do some a little bit of house cleaning on what what this these templates are um, okay. you know what we were really thinking this was developed for the US Patent and Trade Office uh, in collaboration with MakerEd for the USPTO's National Summer uh, Teacher Institute, which they hold, they hold annually. And um, I would encourage anyone listening to apply to that institute. It's run by Dr. Joyce Ward and a fabulous team of folks from the Patent Office. Um, and it's a really wonderful week-long activity and chance to dive into the process of ideation, prototyping, product development, and so forth. And we wanted to create a work pro, uh, worksheet and an activity that would introduce the, the notion of ideation and would begin to let people think loosely, quickly, iteratively, um, the idea that they, you know, there's no right answer. And so as a former writing teacher, you know, drafting and critical thinking tends to be sort of a tunnel vision activity, though in fact the literacy and experience of that is a very open-ended one. And so anything that we can do to introduce sort of a more dynamic, more flexible, more open-ended way to draft, in quotes, um, is what we were after. And so you're looking at a template that's really designed to move in sequence, but also to, in a, in a low-risk way, give kids and to think together and separately. You'll notice this is a social activity. We designed this, this activity to be done in small groups. Mm -hmm. We build in the sharing function on the template so kids have a way to begin to relate to each other. It's also an artifact itself. As you can see, Janine's made a beautiful looking document that shows a thinking process. So that's a big, uh, a big part of what this template's designed to do. And it's designed in panels. So you can, if you're an instructor with 45 minute sections, you can think about how to pace it. If you have a deeper block period or a, or a workshop you want to do, you can do it that way. And you end up with a final project. So this notion that you've got this template, which is 11 by 17, you can download it. You can print it out at Kinko's and, or at home. You can do black and white or color, whatever you like. Um, it's really intended to be a resource that, 
that teachers and educators can use. And lastly, the reason that template Janine's got has that handsome looking, that really nice looking um, state on it is that we've got a version which we've got to put up online, which is a blank version so that the story section is blank and can be filled in. And, and if you load that into your P, into a uh, PowerPoint file and you set the size of your PowerPoint page view to 11 by 17, it lands right in there in the right size and you can drop in whatever images you like, which isn't to say you need to print it. You can sketch it and draw it. It's really an expressive template. But given that we were looking at an actual layout of counties, suddenly we thought, well, let's try this. So mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to use that as a way to kind of catch people up to the use of this template. I would encourage you, if this is appealing, to make your way to the NextMap website, download these templates, give them a, think about them, throw them into PowerPoint, think about tweaking them, um, and um, explore them. Because uh, it's really fun. <laughs> and um, so with that, let's segue back to you, Janine, and, and give us sure. a walkthrough on the actual coding, because you know, actually making uh, lights that illuminate according to parameters that you as the creator, learner, mentor determine is really a huge piece of the learning. So walk us through sure. how to do that. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, uh, I'll show you one thing. I'm actually going to pull my phone back and I'm going to turn around so you can see some of my goodies here. Okay. There we go. Now switch it around and then. Oh, nice. So. <laughs> So here is the first time that I actually went from the large Arduino uh, microprocessor down to using the little AT Tiny, and I saw it at the tech workshop a, a few years ago, and just was completely astounded by it, and and had to come right home and go, oh, this is going to be the answer to mine and every other teacher's um, quest to bring. Um, programming and coding the big deal into all my other classes. So this this little um, program your pages you can download from NextMap and I I've, I'm in love with all of these little booklets because of the the information the the standards that are there the explanation about the microcontroller how to actually do it um, and using this little SparkFun programmer that they show here. Um, I actually have it loaded up with an AT Tiny and and they um, it, it, everything I needed to know. So I was able to do this at um, at school. I didn't need um, you know anybody to show me. I was able to you know look at the pins. Of course, I had to you know I had self-taught my uh, myself the Arduino Uno and the uh, Arduino um, IDE programming uh, platform. So the the thing that's really ideal about this particular one is uh, coding scares people uh, who've never done it. But if you look here, there's only 11 lines of code. And the, the code is really simple um, to understand. It just says set up, and then you're going to set up your pin um, to, to be an output. Um, and I'm going to actually show you on CodeBender instead of on this one where it's, it's quite clean. And once you program that uh, with CodeBender, um, you, you're ready to go. And you, build, you end up building a simple little circuit like this. You've got your LED sticker from GBtronics, your little coin cell battery, and you make a connection. And this was was uh, programmed to blink. Nice. Yep. Yeah, it really it really is. So this is just a great first project if you you know you want to get into the um, AT Tiny. So again, here's your um, uh, SparkFun programmer. Spark uh, SparkFun has a wonderful tutorial. Um, and it involves a lot of computer setup, but with CodeBender, you don't need to. And so here we are, our little AT Tiny. He's got a little bit of a little round circle right there, and you just kind of, you know, go back and forth, and you can kind of see him. Some people like to mark him, and you put it in a certain way, 
uh, if you don't, it'll smoke and you'll know. It doesn't ruin this. <laughs> I've had two people uh, uh, in several years uh, ruin these little 75 cent chips. So it's, it's pretty easy to do, but here's one that's already seated, okay, that you can see. And I just love this little programmer. It's so simple. Um, let me move this little little goodie here. So we're gonna, I just want you to see, first of all, I'm going to put it into my USB drive. You know, and what's really nice about this is it allows you to program the chip um, using the Arduino IDE and using your, um, using your, uh, using your computer. And uh, this, is a big, this is a very big deal in terms of simplifying the amount of hardware you need to manage software. And um, Janine's going to walk us through uh, the code vendor she's mentioned, which is another web-based version of the same thing. So um, the, it takes a lot of the challenge out of it. Uh, it feels intimidating at first, especially if you're a humanities person and not a science or CS person, but um, I'm a humanities guy and uh, I can do it. So I'm sure anyone watching can. Same so, here. I sat, with a, yeah, I sat with an art teacher and she was so afraid to do this and we were doing Arduino and we were in the robotics lab and and it, you know, I was so busy helping her, I, I couldn't get my project done. It was so cute. Within a couple of hours, she goes, "Oh, you missed a semicolon." <laughs> she was instructing <laughs> me, and she went away really, really confident. So uh, again, this little guy—they're about twenty dollars—and you use these over and over and over again to program. You can use um, them for programming other microchips as well. But you can share these with your students. You don't have to have one per student. But they're 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 a, a sweet piece of um, equipment that will you'll fall in love with. Okay, so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you over to Codebender. Uh, .cc, and literally that's what it is up here on the address line. Codebender. .cc, and I uh, created an account, and I didn't have to give my password. I just logged in as Google Plus, uh, and and didn't have anything to do. And um, as, if you notice, um, I'm going to grab a little little pointer here. Um, well, actually, I could just use my yeah, my little mouse here. Um, it's, you can see where it says save sketch, verify code, run on Arduino. And then right here, this little port, it recognizes that I have the SparkFun programmer plugged in. On the Mac computers, it's, it's pretty much a piece of cake. If you're using a PC and Windows 10, you're not going to have any problems either. It just automatically um, recognizes it. The next setting that's really nice is I set it to ATtiny85, and if you notice, it says 8 megahertz internal um, OSC, um, BOD is disabled, and you can see that there's an um, arrows for all, I'm going to just kind of click on it, there's all these different boards, okay, and it's, it's already um, um, highlighted on this one. And it's just for, you can use your Arduino with this. Um, so if you've been programming Arduino already, you have to download the software to your computer desktop. Sometimes there's gremlins. Everybody knows that about Arduino. But with Codebender, it's just eliminated the issue entirely. Uh, Scratch is just about um, perfect um, to use as well. Uh, but it doesn't quite do some of the uh, advanced servos uh, that we need it to do. So if we take a look here at the code, um, I'm just going to point to it and tell you, tell you about it briefly. And David, um, uh, direct as needed. Oh, so sure. with this, okay, Great. so what this is, is it's going to blink two LEDs in an alternating fast blink. And I always like to put my dates, and I'm really clean when I do my code, and I teach the students that. So I found this code, and I adapted it um, from eTextile Lounge. And right here it says, initialize LED1 um, on pin 0 and then LED2 on pin 2. It's really nice. 
And then here it says void setup. It just says it's going to run over and over and over again. It's going to be an output. That means it's going to do something. And then right here, you write it on high. That means it's on. When you turn it to low, it's off. And there's a delay of about 100 milliseconds, which is um, 1,000 is one second. And we're going to turn around and have one LED on and the other one's off. And then it's going to rotate. And what's really cool about this um, simple little code uh, is it just goes over and over until you unplug it. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to point this to the little programmer because it does a little flashing when it's um, transmitting the information and you know you've done your job. So I'm literally going to just go right up here. I'm going to click on Run Arduino. There we go. It's, you can see the blue line. It's transmitting. Let's see, make sure I've got that in, plugged in there. I might not have that seated in there just as well as I'd like, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a little trick on you guys. I'm going to test it with this little um, test board. So here you see the, the SparkFun programmer. I've got the little chip in there, and then we've made these little programmers uh, test boards so we can see what the LEDs do. I've got five. In this case, I, just, I only uh, programmed two of the pins. And we've made these up in Alaska. These are really fun to, to do. And you, your kids are going to benefit from learning how to do this. You, these aren't necessary, but they're really fun to have. Because you can see if your pattern works. So I'm just going to plug it in. And sure enough, it's alternating between the two LEDs. Hmm. Okay, So we know it works. Um, and that's yeah, how so, simple. Yeah, this is a pretty simple um, yep. uh, program to do. So let me go you know, and plug that. Yeah, so just to reframe it, you're looking at an expert here who's very facile with this. And for a person like me, I'd chunk <laughs> it out. And, um, uh, you know, you can see there next to Janine's computer are the components that she's kind of taught herself uh, from breadboarding to uh, the AVR programmers. Um, and so it, we've been able to consolidate from that Uno, which is about a $25, $30 item, down to the $0.75, cent $1 uh, microcontroller to you know a buck or two's worth of stuff to make a breadboard and you've got a really you've got a testing environment for um, exploring five pin outputs now if we just think a little bit about it it means you have to explore the Arduino IDE you want to do it on your computer you may want to do it via a, a code vendor there's a breadboarding experience there's manipulating the uh, the pins um, so there's a whole another level of integration and materials and uh, design involved at this, but that's why it's called an intermediate. And the functions that you can get out of this level of learning and this level of um, build are really profound. And so it's been just great to work with a master educator like Janine and think of this as a series of steps, much the way we think of that panel worksheet and as a series of steps, you're looking at another set of steps as well. And you know, these are, this, is, this usually was the purview of engineers and CS people. And we're seeing more and more the materials are accessible, the possibilities to do expressive technology are very powerful. So um, I encourage anyone who's inclined to take the steps to go into this. It's really, really robust and really fun and very personal. You can see in the right here. Yeah, Janine, do you want to talk a little bit about this? Yeah, I really do. You know, um, David, you've mentioned a lot of um, comparisons about um, expensive robotics and inexpensive and 
that's what's so cool about this. Where else can you take something that you've done on a computer and actually make something physically move or, or mm -hmm. actuate or um, blink? And you're controlling um, something uh, uh, with um, the con your computer and you've programmed it. And it's just such an inexpensive uh, mode. So what I want to show you is this little panda uh, prototype that I made. And I have the template on my website. And what it is, is it's just a little... Um, I'm going to take off his little head here. Actually, he's taped on right now, so I, I don't want to. But right behind him is just this little servo motor that's programmed. And I literally just use paper, and he lives inside my notebook. I fold him open, and um, I'm going to turn him on. He's just powered right here, and I've got just a little 4.5 um, uh, volts total battery. Let me just turn that on. Let's make sure I got him set up just right so he can turn. Oh, I hope I didn't leave it on. I don't think I did. Uh, <laughs> give me a second. I think I might have oh. shorted him out for a second. Wake up, little guy. There he goes. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> yep. And there's so many things you can do with that. This little one, uh, the next step on this is to uh, add like an LED lights, and that's what I did for the Kodiak Alaska. We yeah. backlit um, the the little Kodiak bears to look like the northern lights. Mm -hmm. What I want to say about this is this looks like a simple paper, simple circuits, and that's the whole idea. Let me move this out of the way. But it embodies the same principles that you see here in this large roving um, uh, hmm. robot, line-following robot in this case, or this one's a distance sensor. Um, this uses the Arduino Uno. It's got two um, two servos on it. Let me just turn that around, make sure you can see. Uh, two, two servos on it, it's got a battery source. So for $50, this is a pretty expensive uh, robot to have your students build, and then they can't take it home. But if you can build the same robot out of paper with two servos and uh, you know, a nine volt battery, you're looking at about $10 to pull off the same amount of knowledge that the children will learn from it. Uh, David, is it okay at this point to um, show some of the other projects in the book, or? Um, yeah, sure, please do, and then we'll okay. come back. Then we'll loop back around to sort of to do to look at that um, to look at the um, template and the the way in sure. which we use the map. Yeah, but I think it's, okay. it's helpful for people to see the way that you've been able to use your notebook and the way you've built up sure. projects. Absolutely, sure. Yeah. Now, what I want to say um, is what I'd like to show you is a little robot um, that a student made. Uh, this was before I learned about paper circuitry and that you could use the um, little AT Tiny instead and so my goal was let's use AT Tiny to make the exact same robot move and then replace the Arduino Uno and that's indeed what we did and on this particular one I just want you to see that it does one it did it did it has a I'll turn that around so you can see it has a little servo motor up here and then the student um, wired it up so that the eye blinks she has a two output um, a little robot that she's made here so let me plug that in Make sure I got that just right. There we go. Wake up, little guy. <laughs> now I'm thinking I have it unplugged from down below. Yeah. yeah. You know what? She worked a moment ago. Let me just, oh, you know what? I'm going to grab this other one. It's not like there's not enough of them around here. <laughs> Let's see here. Wow. Yep. Yeah, now he's, now this, for some reason, Oh, I know what happened. I had turned off my computer. There we go. Oh, my. OK. 
Okay, so here we are using the, the um, you can see the AT Tiny um, right here on the little breadboard. Oh, yeah. I just hook it and I just translate it to paper circuitry in my notebook that with the little panda. And I'm just using this Arduino Uno to power it so I don't have, so I can just hook it up really quickly. Right. Let me go ahead and undo that. So I'm not going to show you everything that I have, but the, there's so many things that the students could do when they have this knowledge. Uh, again, right. Kate was using uh, Makey Makey, which is pre-programmed. I'll go ahead and get back to my little notebook here. Um, so when I, what I oftentimes like to do is I like to have the students start off with something that they, they draw. And let me move those little guys out of the way real quick. Just something fun. And then they say to themselves, well, what do I want to illuminate? In this case, I wanted to illuminate the nose. So I built a little circuit behind it. Simple circuit, and that's the first thing. If you get that far, you're going to never stop. It's so much fun. So when I uh, close my circuit and I put my picture back on, I can then illuminate. His little nose lights up, press on it, and off he goes. So that's just a simple circuit, and I use the notebook to record the different projects. You know, that was lesson one. And um, I want I wanted um, to be sure that I annotate everything, what it is that I'm trying to do, what types of different um, subjects that this incorporates with. And I'll show you another one, a fun one that I love is is I wanted to make her two wings um, light up. And so sure enough, um, I was able to put my two Chibichonic stickers, my little three volt coin cell battery, make a, a parallel circuit, and mm -hmm. get her little wings to light up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of fun. And then I'm, I'm not going to show you all the complex things. I'll kind of turn the pages as I go so you can see uh, this particular one. I just made a little switch. And when it makes a connection, um, it lights up. And, and there's more. Um, this is my first one that I actually was able to get to, to blink. And I programmed in my book. And I've been working on getting more and more complex. Here's one from GG um, at Hilo Tech. That's the design for it, but this is the actual circuit for it. I won't mm -hmm. highlight. I won't turn that one on right now for the purposes of time, but I um, I do have examples. So this book just it's just a re, um, a record of all of my learning and what I would want my students to do and what I've had. Um, I actually have had my students create these. Um, here's one where I just did a little alternating nose. I showed you that circuit. This one is pretty cute when it lights up. And let me get you the one that I wanted you to see is um, this one right here. Uh, let me go ahead and light it up. And, and uh, you can see the, the opportunity for creativity and integration. In this case, let me turn off a light. And, and um, this is an SOS right now. It's blinking on the O. And then it will uh, blink on the S. Let me mm. turn off. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it'll go back to the original S. Uh, and this is all done with copper circuits, and it's part of the diagram or part of the piece. It's not necessarily has to be hidden, but the circuit itself can be quite beautiful. Just right. to show you the, a lot of different ways um, that paper circuitry is, is possible to be used. That's great. You know, the thing that strikes me about all this and the thing that you, I mean, you and I worked this out, and I think it, it, it I, I picked up on that when I was doing my sticky notes where I talked about wanting to look for information in layers, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, we're dealing with layers physically. We're dealing with illumination underneath um, a layer of, of, of illustration or of text. Um, you're dealing with, a, you know, an abstracted layer of programming behind that's modifying the, 
parameters of the materials. It's just a very interesting uh, dimension, of lots of dimensions to the experience. And um, when we were working with the map, um, you know, the, 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 having a blink sw a switch that can maintain state across a couple different variables or a couple different um, sections of a grid allows a lot of interesting, uh, allows you to foreground and prioritize different things in different ways. Um, you know, you just mentioned that, that you are you articulating a visual, uh, a visual, um, what's the word, a visual description of the SOS, right? You're using light yeah. to illuminate the Morse code, which is another mm -hmm. sort of uh, language communication activity. But when we talk about sort of looking at the um, illumination as part of, say, an expression on the page, right? We're looking at how to um, introduce illumination as a way to foreground, to highlight, to decorate, to amplify some of the thinking we've got. And the thing I was struck by when we began to look at the county stuff, right? We were looking at 2002. Yeah excuse me, 2012, we could see primary information in terms of what the demographics were for the blue, uh, the blue votes by county. We could see it by the red votes by county. Um, you know, once you, once you commit to your genre, so to speak, another genre might be polling your community about a certain theme and doing it by zip code. It could be, there's an, any number of things that uh, a child might focus on in the way in which he or her decides to explore the election. Um, and for the purposes of a visual integration, you and I landed on the map. But already, we, I, mean, I remember we kind of got, it wasn't a cul-de-sac, it was like, well, which way do we go? How many different things are we going to choose to foreground? Um, right. And I think the sequence from mine, which is really just an exploration of the question, an illumination of some questions, which is really just sort of mm. decorative, to yours, which is actually serving to illuminate and highlight layers of information within a, gra within a, within a map, um, is a really interesting exercise. So. The idea of creating these paper demonstrations or these paper illustrations uh, with uh, language, with graph, with illustration, with illumination just creates a very rich experience. And that struck me from the get-go three years ago as a remarkable way to introduce multiple literacies and to bring complex systems thinking and expressive technology to more and more kids cheaply. Mm -hmm. And that was really the goal of this whole project, right? This whole mm -hmm. project continues to be an equity-based exploration of complex yes. thinking, right? And, okay. um, and, and you know, there are no, there's all kinds of complex and more costly devices which create really remarkable experiences, but you can create pretty rich experiences as an onboarding activity with these tools. And that was really the goal and continues to be, and that's what's been so much fun about this work. Um, so I just wanted to reframe that one more time because uh, it's easy to get lost in either the copper tape and how tricky it is or the troubleshooting or gosh I can't do that programming or I wish I could make that go up and down but in fact you can't it's mm -hmm. really easy to do uh, it takes a little practice but it's a remarkable it's remarkably accessible and it's right. been such, so much fun to think that through and work with that I just wanted to share that <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, my thinking is, uh, is is along the same lines, David. Is it equity and access? If teachers can't, you know, we we're tasked with embedding um, next generation science standards of engineering and technology into all these other subjects. But how do we do that? And where do we begin? And paper circuitry for me has been the answer because it's fast, it's easy, it's quick. And so my big premise is if teachers cannot access engineering then neither can their students and this is a way that they can it's a really and good it, it's really really important and a couple of notes that I made from the teachthought.com today is literacy is our way of communicating mm 
And literacy is crazy important. And so this is yeah. the one way to, to help that. And as technology is changing, um, so is it's, it's changing literacy as well. And there's new genres of literature that are being created. And that's what this is. It's a, another genre. And, and as Kate said, Kate Hodges said, anything that helps kids want to learn, I'm all for it. And if, if this is going to keep our kids in school and graduate, then let's do it. And something I read today um, that if I if I could share it uh, with from yeah, please, Ed Surge. Okay, it mm -hmm. says what the savvy what the savvy school administrators know about education technology, and I really thought this quote was appropriate for for what we're trying to do and accomplish is teachers with students for whom school is an achingly bad fit became early tech adopters because they were desperate to find ways to make learning relevant and personal for their students. And they work heroic hours to see if technology helps. And that's what this is. is we see this in, as evidenced in Anna Marie and Molly and Kate and other teachers that we've run into wanting to bring this into their classroom and now need specific examples of how to apply it. And that's where using the, um, the template and doing the counties, this is a good example, uh, Kate Hodges with her uh, Frankenstein, uh, the Frank effect, and right. then what Molly and Anna Marie are doing, they have their own uh, several units that they're developing. Uh, again, Kate Hodges was doing Animal Farm as well. So it's exciting yeah. to see this go out and you know, go into the classroom with these um, uh, early adopters. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 really it's really exciting and it's really mm -hmm. fun. Um, yeah. When I did when I did this workshop with the USPTO and with this template, um, you know, it was a big social activity. And mm -hmm. once you get kids working in groups and they there's there's not a fear of failure, mm -hmm. and 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 everyone gets it's, you quickly realize that you're able to uh, succeed on your own terms in your own voice. And um, it's just really, really, uh, it's very rewarding to watch that happen. And so I encourage you all, if you're interested, to check out the projects that are listed on the NextSnap website to follow mm -hmm. and look at what Kate's doing. She's got a wonderful multimodal project. She's got some really great resources. She's got some lesson planning stuff. All of it's open on a Google portfolio that you can view. These templates that Jeannie and I have been working with, if you're a teacher who does design thinking, I think this will come mm -hmm. really naturally to you. If you're someone who's heard of that practice or curious about ideation and helping, to help, helping kids to think iteratively and think collaboratively and explore mm -hmm. and design and build, uh, this is a great way to, to do that. Mm -hmm. um, the templates are publicly available. They're downloaded. They're free. <laughs> so they're, common, they're Creative Commons licensed. Um, and, and that's really how we like to work is the notion that at this point, um, you can get act you should get activities for free and you can find all these things and you can you can create a really scalable extendable repeatable activity this is not a knockoff that you'll never do again right. uh, this is something that is really designed to to fork and be reused and uh, that's why we call it a creative work creative process worksheet it really introduces a level of uh, drafting and revision which is a, typically the purview of formal writing but in fact that's the way scientists work Scientists are just people who don't stop until they get an answer. That makes sense, which is a form of drafting as well. So um, this is what this has been about. So Janine, I want to thank you so much for sticking with this whole project. You and I were on all three of these conversations. For people who have watched this, thank you for taking part um, and sort of joining in. Molly and Anna Marie will be working mm -hmm. on their project in Texas. Kate's going to be doing hers in Ohio. These work, these materials are making their way out on Twitter and elsewhere. We're hoping to see other folks pick up on these things. 
please don't hesitate to track us down. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us through our websites. Um, we're always eager to share what we to hear from you and share what we've learned and where we've messed up and where, <laughs> <laughs> where we've learned things. So um, that's a big piece of this puzzle. I think. Um, it will be interesting when the election cycle is over and people have had a chance to build some of these things to see where people went, because this is really an open platform, right? It really mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Um, I got a few. Let's see. Is there anything else I need to say? Yeah. So I think we're we're almost out of time. So um, I wanted Janine, thank you again. And mm -hmm. if people want to keep up uh, on this, they'll sign up for the monthly newsletter at educatorinnovator.org. That's with no www, just educatorinnovator.org. And follow at Innovator at at innovates underscore ed, ed, innovates underscore ed. And please don't forget to check out that hashtag. Um, I've signed up for it. I get all kinds of great things reminding me what's going on. The scope of letters to the next president and the partners that have been engaged by this project it's really impressive, and it presents a really great authentic context for this kind of work, and it's inspiring to think about where kids are going with it. And please sign up for the, um, don't miss signing up for the website, letterstopresident.org. Right. It's essentially a content management tool and a publishing platform. With for a the students. Yeah, yeah, for the students, and it provides some really strong group management, one-to-many, teacher-to-student. So, you know, we've all navigated these LMS systems in our work. Um, and this one is a really great one for doing a very specific project, and it gives your kids a chance to publish and share and see their work in relation to others. The meta tags that they can put on their work allow them to consolidate and create word clouds, and it's a really great tool. And a lot of this, as you can see with the work we're doing, is about creating an artifact. And um, so I'm, I really encourage you to check out Letters to the Press, Letters to President.org, sign up for it. Get your pacing in order so your kids can have a chance to publish. So they can see where they're going. It creates a hugely authentic context for this kind of work. And it's really fun. And if you're inclined to do this sort of maker activity and combine electronics with writing, you've got some great examples of mm -hmm. stuff here. So that's, that's what I have to say. Anything you want to add, Janine, as we wind up? No, I just want to thank you. Uh, this was a wonderful opportunity to just get the word out. And, and I just hope a bunch of teachers just start making paper circuits and including it into their classroom and, and showing us what you've done. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thanks again, everybody. And we'll look to see you guys on Twitter. And we'll be back, I think, towards the end of the year. And we'll check in and uh, see what came of all this. Thanks again.